this morning and to see you, to be here with one another. We're so very thankful that God has blessed us with this opportunity to be here together and worship Him and fellowship. I'm reminded this morning that as we see uh, visitors and uh, members and those who have not been able to be with us, there's a lot of different people here and uh, going through among this crowd, uh, lots of different kinds of things in life and uh, some are ups and some are downs and maybe someone's online uh, participating with us this morning and, and they're in somewhere along that spectrum as well. And isn't that exactly what God designed His church to be? To be here for one another, to be church family no matter what we're going through. And to somehow through worship and fellowship, even when it's so difficult, uh, even when, it's, when we're praising and things are wonderful, to come together to praise God and that that ministers to our souls, and we all, we all need that. So we're thankful that you're all here with us this morning. If I were to take this glass of water, nothing magical or special about this water, and then I were to take this Alka-Seltzer, as you can see, there's nothing magical about it, if I were to take this Alka-Seltzer and drop it in here, what would happen? Well, let's find out. Is anything happening? <laughs> Nothing's happening yet. Yeah, maybe if we let it sit there for a year or so, the paper might dissolve. But let's see what might happen if I've got another, somehow magically there's another glass of water under here. And if I were to take this same kind, as you can see, of Alka-Seltzer, and put it in here, and I heard someone say, what would happen? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, right? That's what would happen. So what, what do you see happening? Just like the commercial says, right? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. And so as those, uh, I don't know the right word, dissolve or whatever <laughs> into the water, what's happening? Yeah, it's changing things. And you see the, everything in the glass, all of the liquid looks different, doesn't it? Now, eventually, it kind of all absorbs and, and clears up. But we see a difference, right? What is the difference? What was the difference maker in each glass? One was in the package, and the other was done the way it should be done, right? Taken out of the package. Well, that's what we want to talk about this morning. How many Christians have the Holy Spirit in their life? And by the way, all Christians, New Testament Christians, have the Holy Spirit in their life, but they've left Him in the package inside of them. In other words, He hasn't been released to fill every bit of your life. That's what I want us to talk about this morning as we look at keeping in step with the Spirit. Because only one of those glasses allow one of those situations allowed the spirit, the, the Alka-Seltzer, to totally fill its contents, right? The other one didn't. The other one, yes, had Alka-Seltzer in it, but only one was filled with the Alka-Seltzer. Now, Peter tells us in Acts 2.38 that when you become a Christian, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ 
for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit as that seal, that good deposit, that guarantee. But I want to ask you a question. Uh, if everyone has the Holy Spirit, why are so many, or why do some Christians live as if they don't? As if they're not filled. So a deeper question than, than do I have the Holy Spirit is, how much of the Holy Spirit uh, has me? How much of me does He have? How much of me does He fill? Does that make sense? Yeah, I've got Him in me. But, but more than that is, is He filling my life? How much has He permeated through every bit of my life? Has He taken up every bit of available space in my spiritual life. That's what we want to think about this morning. So let's look at Ephesians 5.18. Now in Ephesians 5.18, Paul's saying a lot right there in that context, but we just want to zero in on one phrase that he says. In Ephesians 5.18, he tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Now think about, Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesian church. So that's an interesting thing to say. Do you see why? Because he's writing to people who are already what? Christians. Meaning they've already received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit in them. And Paul is writing to these Christians saying, Christians who already have the Holy Spirit, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference? He's saying something different there. He's saying something beyond becoming a Christian and being given the gift of the Holy Spirit in you, that good deposit, that guarantee, uh, that seal. He's saying, I want you to be filled with it, not just have Him in you. I want your life to be filled with the Spirit. Like the Alka-Seltzer all Christians have the Holy Spirit. All Christians have the Alka-Seltzer in there, but some of us haven't opened up the package and let Him filled, fill our lives completely. And so, so that permeates, it dissolves, it, it moves through all parts of the water. There wasn't, there wasn't any of the water in that second glass that didn't have Alka-Seltzer medicine in it. Even after it kind of clears up, which that's not part of the object lesson, but even if you say, well, it cleared up, it went away, it has the medicine all in it. You drink a little taste of it, you get some of the medicine, you drink it all, you get all the medicine. So it's permeated, dissolved all the way through. And Paul is saying, Christians, don't just have the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? So... We don't have really a smooth, perfect translation when, when Paul, when, when it's translated, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so keep on being filled is really a more accurate way of saying that uh, from translating that Greek word there about uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now what it's saying is, is that it's not a one-time thing. And that helps us understand what Paul's saying. He's not, he's not talking about Acts 2.38. When you obey the gospel, you're, you're given the Holy Spirit. He's using a word that says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's telling us. 
You were were given the Holy Spirit, and now I want you to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, when do I need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, ask yourself, is there a day in your life when you don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And you say, well, of course not. Now, we might live like it, don't we, sometimes, but but there's not a day goes by when the Christian doesn't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you want to know, well, how often? Well, that's how often. Every day I need to wake up and I want to be filled to the the max. I want to be totally absorbed with the Holy Spirit in my life. That's what Paul wants to get through to us. So, And he's also not saying that it's something that we do based on our, uh, you, you know, like it's our thing to do, our power, our control to do. What he's saying is, let yourself be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, that's a different kind of thing because one of the hardest things to understand and get through our sometimes thick heads and hard hearts as Christians is that this isn't about all of my effort and my doing. My power can't do this. It is about depending on, relying completely upon the power of God in our lives. Now, yes, I have a role to play when it comes to uh, behavior and how I live and things and and letting God change me. We're going to look at that. But we got to understand that that I've got to let the Holy Spirit fill my life and recognize that God is the one that's in control of this. Now, let's look over at Romans chapter 6. Paul wrote about the process of becoming a Christian. And look in verse 4 of Romans 6 where he writes, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in what? Newness of life. So it's through baptism, New Testament baptism, that we are raised by the power of God to walk in newness of life. That means my life is new. It's altogether something new and different than it was before I became a Christian. And this new life every day is to be filled with the Spirit totally and thoroughly and completely all throughout my life, just like the Alka-Seltzer seltzer in the water. So when you become a Christian, God raises you out of the water. He's given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, and now live every day filled with the Holy Spirit. Now it's interesting in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, as Jesus was spending his last uh, time with the disciples, he starts talking to them about another helper. And in verse, chapter 14, verse 16, is where he tells them, when he returns to heaven, he says it's to your advantage because God will send you another helper. In other words, Jesus has been their helper, God in the flesh right there. He's been with them, but, but uh, uh, you know, he says at one point, greater works you'll do uh, after, after he sends them out. You're going to do greater works than, than me. What did he mean by that? He meant that, look, when it's just us in the physical form here on this earth, we can only do so much. But when the Holy Spirit comes, which happens at the day of Pentecost we looked at recently, then all of these Christians are out doing the work of God. And God is working through all of them and not just a few people. And that's what he meant by that. But this, this word helper means a helping presence. It's also translated counselor, advocate, and it also means one who walks 
alongside. One who walks alongside. And that's important to understand. Because, as I said, Jesus was their first helper. But he's going back to heaven. And that was just all part of the plan. And he said, I'm sending you another helper, a guide, a counselor, an advocate to walk alongside you as I walked alongside you. But he will be with all Christians at all times, everywhere, when he comes. And that's what he was saying. Now, he had specific instructions and, and, and purposes through the Holy Spirit with his apostles that uh, have ceased and no longer uh, due to, uh, are done today, miracles, uh, you know, healings, things along those lines. But, but the, the point of the Holy Spirit being our helper and our advocate and walking alongside us, that stands, that remains, and we see that when the New Testament church begins in Acts chapter 2. And so Paul's saying, that Spirit, I want you to be filled with that in every single way. So the Holy Spirit never leaves the Christian. You're never alone. Now you may feel alone, you may feel at the bottom of the barrel in life sometimes, but the, the Holy Spirit never leaves you alone. You always have God present with you in the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the Holy Spirit's job? So he's in you, and yes, we can look at the scriptures that he's that, that seal, that guarantee, that deposit. So when the day of judgment comes and God returns, he's looking for who has the Spirit in me. That's my children. I Come on, I, get in the boat, I'm taking you home. But beyond that, also, the Holy Spirit is in you to make you more like Jesus. That's his mission on earth throughout the rest of your life as a Christian to mold you, to shape you, to form you, to transform you, to be more like Jesus. So if he stays in the package in your life, he can't make you more like Jesus. You've got to say, okay, I surrender. I give up. I, I let you free. You do what you need to do in my life. I'm ripping open the package and throwing it away because I don't want him. I want you to permeate my entire life, to fill my life. And he takes your new life, Romans 6, 4, he takes that new life in Christ, the Holy Spirit does, and he starts working on you, making you every day, every year, more and more like Christ. Now, one of the most important ways the Holy Spirit works in your life to make you more like Jesus is to use the Word in your life. In your life. Now, look at Colossians 3, 16. Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, just like Christians are to be filled with the Spirit, we're also told to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And, and, and so that's more than just, oh, I've got all the Bible facts. I know a lot of Bible history or I know all the right verses to go to. Well, just like the Holy Spirit filling your life and, and, and really transforming you, some people have the Bible, uh, a lot of Bible knowledge, but it hadn't done anything in their life. They hadn't let it actually transform their lives. And, and Paul here is telling us, look, the Word and the Spirit work together to make you more like Jesus. That's what they're here to do, to guide you, to show you the way, and to work on your life. And that only makes sense because the tool that Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 17, that the Spirit uses is what? The Word of God. So, he, so he's telling them to take up their armor. And in verse 17 of Ephesians 6, he says, 
and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God as His tool, as His sword in your life to cut away, to work on you, to shape you, to mold you so that you can be more like Christ. So you can say, oh, I'm filled with the Spirit, but you don't have the Word in you. Well, the Spirit doesn't have anything to work on. He's not, he's, not, he's not able to have full access to your life. But when you fill yourself with the Word and you're getting yourself fed the Word of God in Bible class and worship, and that's why, to me, I, I can't just come every now and then. i, I got to just be here because I need the Word to work in my life because a little bit ain't enough, for me at least. It, you know, I need a lot of work on me perhaps. But that's how God works. He puts both of those together, those forces working in your life to shape you to be more like Christ. Did you ever watch Duck Dynasty? Remember Duck Dynasty? It's probably still on everywhere. It was a great show. We hadn't gotten through all of them, but we've seen uh, probably most of them. Do you remember this episode where... Uh, it's the, it's the whole story of the episode we can't go through, but basically they bring in this expert chainsaw artist, and he takes giant you know, pieces of oak or other pieces of stump in your yard, and he uses that chainsaw, and he'll make an eagle or, or a deer, all kinds. Of, I mean, it's amazing. It's incredible what he could do with this chainsaw. Incredible work, a giant bear or whatever it might be. Really cool stuff. In fact, I looked him up and he's still, him and his wife do this. They're still in business doing this all over. They do it for entertainment. They do it for, uh, uh, you know, something you want at your house, whatever it might be. Well, somebody on the show got the good idea of uh, making a Willie Robertson wooden statue. And so they had the guy make a wooden Willie out of a big old piece of oak. And now he, he had wanted something like a big hog for his house, is what he said. And I remember his wife saying, I don't know that we need a big wooden hog at the house, something like that. And so they said, okay, we'll get that done for you. What Willie didn't know was when they got together for the unveiling of the big wooden sculpture, he had no idea it was going to be a replica of himself. And that's exactly what it was. And everybody was impressed and said it looked just exactly like Willie, except one person. And that was Willie himself. He looked at it and said, oh, I see the bandana, I see the sunglasses, I see the beard, I see the shirt and the pants and all that looks right. But he got about to the midsection and he said, that doesn't look right, that's not me. He had a little problem with the way the, uh, the belly portion of the statue was represented. He said it didn't accurately represent him <laughs> in real life. And everybody else seemed to agree that it did. In fact, eventually he, he got a chainsaw. And you, you remember what he did to it? He just kind of trimmed that belly off to make it, according to him, more accurate of a representation. Wouldn't that be nice if we could just do that? Don't work like that. But <laughs> So that, that was a neat episode. But look, how did the chainsaw artist do that? You've seen them do this with ice sculptures, or they've done it. I mean, imagine the, uh, you know, Mount Rushmore and all these different sculptures. But how do they do that? They take this chainsaw or whatever tool they're using, and they take just a giant log, you know, of, of oak or whatever material they're using, and they just start getting to work, don't they? 
You look at it and you think, well, that, I mean, that's chop it up for firewood or make a stool out of it or Wes could do all kinds of things with it. And, and, and maybe Wes could take up chainsaw art. I don't know. But they take that chainsaw and they start cutting away. And all of a sudden, little by little, minute by minute, hour by hour, I don't know how long it takes to do, uh, do a big sculpture like that. It starts looking more and more like Willie Robertson. Do you see that? That's exactly the way the Holy Spirit and the Word work in our life. As we get them in us and we let them free and we say, fill me up, do what you're supposed to do in my life. I surrender, I let you do it. And, and slowly but surely they start working away at us, chipping away at all the knots on us and the, the tough parts and the, the you know this and that and the attitudes and the words and the, the behaviors and the habits and the false beliefs and all these kinds of things. And they start working on us. And, and before long we start looking like Jesus little by little. And before long, we look more and more like Christ in our lives because why? We've been letting Him do His work on us. Do you see that? And that's what Paul wants us to understand. We need to let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit have full and complete access to every bit of our life. There shouldn't be a part of us that says, nope, this one's, this is off limits. You can't go here. You can go everywhere else. You can't go here. The Christian is to be filled, and that means there's no space left untouched by the Holy Spirit. So look at Galatians 5.25. Paul says something else interesting to people who are already Christians. And in Galatians 5.25, he says, If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Your translation may say walk by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now again, these are, all, these are already people who are, they're already Christians. They already have the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying, you need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean exactly? Well, the particular word he uses for keep in step or walk right there is a different word than is normally used for walk, which in verse 16, he used the normal word you would expect for walk. We just see it in English and don't know any different. But the readers, they heard it in their language, and they, they heard, why well, he used it. What does that mean? He used a different word there. So in verse 16, he's saying, uh, talking about our walk as Christians, morally, our conduct, our behavior. But in verse 25, he's saying, you need to keep in step with the Spirit. And he used a different word. And what he's saying is that we need to get behind in line and march behind the leader, march behind in order, march behind, walk in a line behind the leader. That's what that word conveys. That's what it's communicating, to keep in step. And you think about soldiers marching. Well, somebody's got to lead, and, 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 and they ha everyone else has to keep in step with that leader. And they got to march along to do what they're supposed to do. And that's the same idea, is that the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper, that God, that counselor, that advocate, and He is your guide through life. He's going to be your guide using the Word in you. He's going to work in your life. And you need to get right behind Him and start marching and keep in step and keep up with the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and prompting in your life. Does that make sense? That's what Paul wants us to understand. 
that we keep in step with the Spirit when we take up the Word of God and we allow every part of our lives to be uh, absorbed and permeated by the Holy Spirit. So, see, I have a new life in Christ, Romans 6, 4, and that is to continually be carved on, worked on, chipped away, smoothed out, fixed to be more and more like Jesus. See, that might mean I need to change some friends. It might mean I need to change some thinking. It might mean I need to change some habits and routines and some some habits, that some hobbies that I do even, some things that I do, some people I hang out with, some places that I go, some words that I say, uh, some mindsets and beliefs that I have. It might mean I need to change. And guess what? We're supposed to because Jesus said, Paul's told us that when Jesus makes us a Christian, Romans 6, 4, we have a new life. The old King James says in another passage, we're a new creature, new creation, Paul said. Now finally look at Ephesians 3, 16 through uh, 21. And just listen to that thought through what Paul writes here. That according to the riches of His glory, He might grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend all with, with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we all ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Where in your life do you need the Holy Spirit's power at work? Where's where's that part of your life where His power hadn't reached yet? That part hadn't been cut away. There's still some hard bark there. You, You hadn't let Him work on that yet. You've been holding on to that. He said, no, that's mine. Where's that, where's that area where you need the... I'm not talking about anything uh, you know, crazy. I'm talking about where you need the Holy Spirit's power to work in your spiritual life. What is that area in your life that needs to be turned over and carved and formed and made to be more like Jesus? And that same power that ra- of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that works in the Christian's life today through the Holy Spirit. And He works in our lives to make us more like Christ and to do the works that He would have us to do as we looked at last week. So I want to ask you, have you let the Holy Spirit have His way with you? Have you let Him do what He is here to do in your life? After you believe, that's our theme, after you believe, you're supposed to turn it over. You're supposed to hand the Holy Spirit the keys and say, you drive and you do what you need to do in my life, because I want to be more like Jesus in my life, whatever that means. Sometimes we don't know what, we don't want to know what the whatever means, because we like it when we know what's going on and we're, we're in control, and we call the shots. And when you become a Christian and you keep in step with the Holy Spirit, you're saying you call the shots. You, fo- you lead and I'll follow. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. That's what we want for every person 
in this congregation and in this community. And maybe you're not a Christian yet. You hadn't put on Christ in baptism. You, you say, well, I, I don't have that. We want you to know that when you, when you hear the gospel and you believe it and you, you repent of your sins, your, your, anything that's been uh, uh, contrary to the way God has called us to live and you turn your life over to Christ, you confess Him as your Lord and Savior and then you're united with Him in the, in the waters of baptism and you're raised to walk in newness of life, that's when you're forgiven of your sins and you give, are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We want that for all of you as well, if that's not the case for you. Whatever your need, if we can pray for you, help you in any way this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.